In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Hey there. It's in the lab time. It's Drew. It's John. We're happy that you're with us. The Texans are hosting the Seahawks this weekend, and it's a team you don't see much of, John, because they're in that other conference. But there have been some bananas games with this opponent. Last time you played there was 2017. I think it was the most ex- one of the most exciting losses in team history, and that's like one of the worst ways to put it. But it was the final <laughs> game of it was the final game of Deshaun Watson's season. It's probably yeah. where most of the damage was done to his knee. They play on a Sunday. He gets hurt yeah. in the game, and then I think the straw that broke the camel's back came Wednesday in practice later that week when he made yeah. a weird move. But he. He was kind of limping through that fourth quarter, but he left the field with a lead on the road against a still pretty darn good Seattle team. They went to – Russell Wilson went – Russell Wilson is amazing. Russell I, Wilson is outstanding. Drew, I contend – I contend, and I, I might be – that was a Sunday in October, and for those people that don't remember, that might have been the most exciting sports day I've ever seen in the city of Houston. Yeah. Because that night – as we were flying back. So the, the game itself against the Seahawks was, I mean, it's, it's one of those games you go back and watch and you're like, Oh my God. I mean, it was a heavyweight fist fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was back and forth and I, it was, it was amazing to just sit there and watch this like, Oh my God. And then to watch Russell Wilson bring his team back and make the throws and do what Russell Wilson does. It was like, we saw two of the greatest quarterbacks in the league go toe to toe with one another and just lob haymakers. And it was like, yo, this is incredible. And obviously we wanted the Texans to win, no doubt, but they ended up losing 41, 38, but it's just incredible. So we then get to the plane. I don't ever forget for some reason they, you know, on the plane that we're on a lot of times there's a, there's a back stairway and then there's a front stairway. And so we usually go up the back stairway so we don't like merge groups. So we can be separate. But for some reason on this flight, the back stairwell wasn't working. So we had to go up through the front. So we had to go through all the players. And I'll never forget seeing Shane Leckler was wearing an Altuve jersey on the plane because <laughs> game five of the World Series was that night. So as we're flying back, and obviously this is a flight from Seattle, so it's a long flight. The game the Astros game against the Dodgers starts right as we get on the plane. And so every so often we would get updates on the, on the plane, like of what was happening back here in Houston, as we're flying towards Houston, because you would get a little bit of Wi-Fi at times and you could do just enough. And so I would get a little bit of Wi-Fi and go, Oh my gosh, they just took a lead. Oh man. The Dodgers just did this. So it got to a point where we were on the buses. We landed we were on the bus when the Astros had won that game, and our bus has to go right by Minute Maid Park almost literally as they're yeah. winning the game. Minutes before. And so, yeah. yeah, minutes before. And so we had all, that all happened in one day of us going to Seattle and playing that game in 2017, which was just incredible, and then having the Astros game, which I contend might be the greatest game in Major League Baseball history. The 2017 World Series Game 5, all that took place in one day. I mean, you know, your pulse as a Houston sports fan was just racing all day with the two games that you ended up watching. But that's what will forever stand out to me in that 2017 game for sure. Yeah. 
And then four years prior to that here, oh. 2013, you're two and one, you're coming off a loss at Baltimore, you're back home and you're kind of handling those guys for most of the day. And then they get closer yeah. and closer and closer. And it's a one score game and you got the ball late. And uh, it was a third and sh- like four ish. And um, you throw it to the right flat and, you know, Schaub had started his decline at that point. And Richard yeah. Sherman picked it off, saw it coming, had no problem with it, lost a shoe in route to the end zone, but they tied it up <laughs> and then, and then they won it in overtime and that moved the Texans to two and two. So instead of being three and one, they're two and two, he's thrown pick sixes in weeks two, three, and four now. And he started week one, his first pass he threw in week one, deep in yeah. his own territory was picked right. off, but not returned for a touchdown, but the Chargers scored on the next play back in San Diego back then. Yep. So he was kind of on a streak there where opposing defenses were on to him, but you go to two and two and then the absolute house falls on you the next weekend on Sunday yep. night football in San Francisco. I mean, just one of the Ooh. ugliest, you know, most disastrous losses, but it was kind of preceded by this one right here. It's the yeah. it, there's I, a lot of revisionist history. Like, Oh, if they win that game, then they go, right. it, it all, I still kind of think they, they're going to muddle through things and it's going to be a bad season. It's not going to be two and 14 bad, but I, I don't think right, they're, right. I don't think the Texans are going to the playoffs and, and doing all that. There were, there were some holes on that team. Okay. So hear me out on this. <laughs> two, two things. Number one, let's say you win that game and you're right. The bottom was still, you know, falling out, but if you win that game and get to three and one, yeah. Okay. The 49ers don't make it three and two to me, the game of that year that really precipitated the fall was the Rams game when you get the Rams at home and the Rams aren't very good, but you get the Rams at home and they just skull drug you. I mean, they just browbeat you. And it's like, yeah. what is going on? And obviously the things that just, you know, fell, uh, you know, with, with Matt at quarterback that just fell apart. I mean, I know that coming out of the 2012 season, I know a lot of people were really excited about 2013. I think we all were. I know that I was very hesitant having watched the last part of 2012. I mean, I said on radio constantly and I was not with the Texans at that point. And that's what makes that 2013 game so interesting because now I, now being, you know, in my role, I don't, I don't miss a play. I'm, I'm always there. I mean, I'm there to the end. I'm, I'm there a lot. Sometimes, you know, one of the last people off the field, sometimes I got to be the first in locker room. Either way, I don't miss a play. So in 2013, I'm not with the Texans. But I was here that day, and I was here with uh, a couple of buddies of mine. One I did a website with, and one was our website programmer. And so we're watching this just domination. Like, man, this is awesome. This is really cool to watch. And so the Texans are on that final drive. And my buddy is always, always likes to leave early guy. Always. He does not want to be in traffic. He does not. So it's always. So he looks at me and goes, should we go? And he knows that I am the other way. I want to see everything. I want to be there for, I don't, I do not like to leave early in the game. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, and then I say it out loud. Okay. Well, if they score, then we know they're going to win. But if they mess it up on this play, we're soon thereafter. I don't know that I want to be here to see it. So we leave and we're going down the elevators and we're walking down Kirby because we're in the purple lot and we're walking down Kirby and we hear Mark's voice because the game is being broadcast out, out, outside. And we hear Mark's voice and I hear Mark get excited. And of course, you know me, I'm deaf in my right ear. I mean, I can't hear much in my right ear. So I'm, I, I hear that. I just hear Mark getting excited. And I'm like, oh man, they scored. And all of a sudden my buddy goes, no, no, 
I think it was Seattle who scored. And immediately we take off on a full sprint for the purple lot. I mean, a full dead on sprint to the purple lot. And we're like, David, start the car. Like we start the car. And I hear Mark, the first words I hear from Mark are, we are tied. And I'm just, it was the exact feeling. Like we did not want to be there to see it. So we were there for the whole game and left right before the Richard Sherman interception, of course, goes overtime and Russell gets the win for the Seahawks. But it was the very next year that I ended up down on the sidelines. And I was like, thank God, I'll never have to leave the game early. No matter how it ends, I got to be there for everything. But, oh, my God, I hated leaving early. But in my mind, I, I, in my mind, I was thinking that. And then I said it, like, if we stay and they score, we're going to be stuck. Eh. But if we leave early and something goes bad, because, look, we're Houston fans. We've seen, some, we've seen some bad football stuff happen in the past. And so maybe we're wired that way. Like, I don't want to see that, man. I don't want to see something that gets ugly. And, it, of course, got ugly with Sherman taking that pick six all the way back to the house. So. Um, I always regret leaving that I didn't see it, but I'm sort of glad I, <laughs> I didn't see it. But the last two games against this franchise have been absolutely wild, just wild. I, I hope it's not as wild on Sunday, but then again, I'll take it if it ends up the Texans get a W at the end of it. And then if you want to look at the positive, in 2009, Texans have lost four in a row. They're five and seven, but they get the Seahawks coming to town with Jim Mora Jr., as the head coach and you get a kicker off return to start the game from Andre Davis, who I'm going to have a podcast oh, yeah. up with him later today. And he takes it out to the 33 yard line, 34 yard line, 36 yard line, actually. And first play from scrimmage, Matt Schaub, right side, Andre Johnson, 64 yard touchdown. Texans went up 24, nothing. They coasted to a win that day. That was the first of four straight wins to finish the 2009 season to go nine and seven. Andre caught another touchdown. He also, we all know, there's a Ryan Motes touchdown in there. There were some missed oh, field Ryan goals. Oh, Ryan Motes touchdown. Chris Brown had a Ryan field Motes goal touchdown. blocked, and he missed another field goal before. Like That was both in the first half, so they had six points there on the board. That could have been 30 nothing uh, if they make their field goals. Brown had a tough 2009. That 2019, man, I think back, you bring up you bring up Ryan Moach. You know, that was the year after Steve Slayton in that year had been dealing with a lot of injuries. Yeah. So they had to look at, you know, different backs. You mentioned Ryan Moach. Um, obviously, Steve was having a hard time holding on the ball. They couldn't find the right answer at running back until finally the last two games. He had played some guy off the practice squad, some rookie named Foster. And they're like, ah, you know, let's see what this guy's <laughs> got. He just turned into the best running back, best all-round back, arguably in the NFL, the best one the Texans have ever had. And it was almost like they just sort of stumbled on Like, oh, you know, he's been, oh, you know, let's play him. Let's see what happens. But Ryan Motes, I remember Ryan Motes coming in there and doing some great things at running back. And that Seattle game, it was interesting watching because that team in 2009, man, they could score seemingly on, on everybody. But you could see kind of the seedlings of something there, of something there with this team. And then when Foster has those last two games, they finished that season with beating the Patriots, beating the Dolphins on the road, then beating the Patriots. And you thought, oh, man, because that night after beating the Patriots, we're all watching to see, man, are they going to get in the playoffs? It took about three minutes to realize, no, the Bengals aren't going to help us out. Right. But at that point, they were in they were in the mix. But you could see the seedlings, even a step back in 2010. You could still see what was there, especially offensively. And it's like, man, if you get right defensively, this thing could really be interesting. And then they did that in 2011. And I, I still contend the 2011 team and the 2018 team are the two teams that minus an injury here or there, that those are teams that are they're going to be playing for championships. You know, yeah. in 2011, uh, it was Shabby. In 2018, it was Will Fuller. 
mm-hmm. um, those two injuries, man, they, they changed the entire course of what could have happened in those seasons when those injuries happened. Before we wrap this up, I always love to see, like, there's some names that are just jumping out at me. So Moats was your leading rusher, had 10 carries, 43 yards, and a touchdown. Arian Foster, they gave him the rock 13 times. He, oh, wow. He had the most rushes that day. He only got 34 yards, but he did have an 11-yarder. And then yeah. there was Chris Brown with a C. He got three for seven. Andre Johnson must have had an end around. Schaub was pretty accurate, 29 of 39 for 365. Ooh. Andre Johnson, 11 catches for 193 yards. He caught two touchdowns. Ooh. Arian had four catches for 54 yards. So he was starting to there do some go. stuff. Bernard Pollard had a 70-yard pick six. Jacoby Jones had a 22-yard punt return. And then defense, if the, the Texans won. So you know Brian Cushing did something because he always did something in the Texans wins that year. So yeah, yeah. he had 10 tackles that day. D'Amico had 12. But Cushing had a wow. sack three tackles for loss, pretty good day. And, you know, hit the quarterback three times too. So, And you just wonder how much this loss for the Seahawks precipitated Mora's ouster because he was only there for one year. That was it. Pete and, Carroll. And then the next hired. year, yeah. Pete Carroll. Yeah. I mean, obviously confluence of events at USC and then the end, the end stretch for Seattle. Mora's out. Hey, Pete Carroll's going to examine coming back. He's been there now 11 years, won a championship, and had Seattle you know, consistently in the mix for the NFC. This year, not so much, but um, oh, the last decade, I mean, what happens. holy cow, what a decade they've yeah. had. Yeah. Yeah, it's been incredible what they've, what they've been able to do um, for the 11 years they've been there. But this, this game, the Texans beating them as badly as they did here, I would imagine was a big log on the fire uh, under this, the hot seat of Jim Moore in 2009 eventually cost him a job, but opened the way for Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson eventually to get there. It also brought the Texans, Greg Knapp quarterbacks coaches. He was with Seattle yeah. and there's a great picture of, I think Greg yeah. either looking like yeah. this or running into the end zone. And Greg Knapp's just like kind of look, he would, he was on the side of the field, but rest yeah. in peace, Greg Knapp, man. He was, yep. he's one of my favorite assistant coaches to ever come through here. And was just a great, great coach. Great guy. Yep. Yeah, he really was. Really a shame. Anyways, well, it's always fun doing these and strolling down memory lane with you. And yeah, uh, man. Texans can pick up a victory, snap the losing skid, and get back in the win column. Sound good to you? Sounds good to me. Get a dub. Let's go. Let's go. See you, buddy.